This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali Mwakaneno, your usual host. So with me today is Lina Higiro, who is the CEO of NCBA Bank Rwanda PLC. And she's also one of the top 10 finalists of their Angaza Awards. And uh, Lina and I want to have a conversation on her career journey, who are some of the people rather who are some of the women she finds inspiring and what are some of the things that she has done that make her part of the top 10 finalists of the awards. Welcome to the show, Lina. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about your career journey. Okay. I, I just want to let listeners know that I actually started working at the age of 18 and my first role ever, and the reason I say this is because it anchors the why I got to be in certain roles and do well. My first role was actually as a librarian, so I did not start up in, in, in a very classy, fancy job. Um, so I started at 18 in Canada in a very beautiful but remote place called New Brunswick, where I was going to a university called Matt Allison. And I worked from there in different roles uh, in Ontario in sales. I did a lot of sales. I, I did a lot of um, digital, actually, marketing. Then it was quite graphic and not as as developed as it is today. And then I moved to South Africa where I worked for a power company called ESCOM. And I had to really learn how to deal with different stakeholders, government, private sector, um, and, and technicians. So that really, really helped me sink my teeth into stakeholder management. I moved around in 2007, and that's when I started my banking career as the head of SME for what was then FINA Bank and what is now GT Bank. And my role there was to launch the SME division. And I'm glad to say that, you know, it was quite exciting. I, I launched the brand as, as an SME bank and developed a really healthy portfolio of about um, 11 million uh, in liabilities and an asset book of about 8 million. And worked a lot on efficiencies, you know, in terms of loan approval, disbursement processes. But also the, the most exciting part was building a team of SME RMs and ROs and product development teams who were about 20 full-time staff across the country. Today, 50% of these staff are actually in senior management roles in the financial sector, which gives me really, it deepens my, my network in terms of the sector. I then um, went on to INM Bank, where I was the head of corporate strategy and marketing, totally different from SME lending, which was my core, um, core strength in, in banking but it led me into developing strategy and communications. And then INM had just acquired BCR, so I was charged with, with the, the rebranding process for the business, which was totally new for me, but it, it actually was quite successful. I also tried to go into business and the CEO then was very instrumental in just letting me do what I think would work. And I revamped the, the sales structure for branches and increased sales uh, contributions from outlying branches up to 30%. The most exciting bit in INM was when I reviewed the bank's pricing model, something not many in the team wanted to do, but um, it increased non-funded income then by 13% between 2013 and 2014. So that was quite exciting in INM. 
and I, I spent about four years in INM, and then made an interesting transition to AB Bank, which was a microfinance. Totally, most people would wonder how would you move from a corporate, you know, high-end bank to a microfinance, but I looked at it as 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 an opportunity to do, to learn the operating side of a bank. So I was hired as a chief operating officer then. Right. And I actually, for my lessons in INM, I positioned the bank into the second fee generating bank in the Access Group in Africa, about six banks. Uh, in my first year, non-funded income grew by one fifty percent. So I'm quite proud of the team I worked with and the gains in that business. We also introduced new segments of, of customers and um, something called Group Savers, which was quite a surprise and new to the group as well, uh, where we just started with, you know, 150 accounts, um, which were averaging very small amounts. But I'm told today when I talk to the teams that it's actually a very, the product has worked extremely well. I revised the business development model in the first six months. We had new deposits of almost $1 billion. Uh, and it was the first in the group as well. So quite exciting times. It was difficult, but what it was what I needed to actually be considered as the CEO for NCBA. So I then joined NCBA in 2018, July. Um, and really, we talk about highlighting women's achievements and women on boards. There are two women on two regional bank boards who did not give me a break. They asked me why I was not applying for this role. It was not a head a role that was, um, there was no headhunting. This was open market competitive role. So without their push, I probably would not have applied for this role because I kept thinking that I, I will not qualify. But I did, and I joined the bank in 2018, uh, July, and I'm still here today. It's going to be my third year anniversary in, in July. You started working at quite a young age, and it's been quite a journey to where you are. Tell us about these women who inspired you, you know, to go for the role that you currently occupy in NCBA and perhaps some other women that inspired you throughout your career. What I've learned throughout my career is that you need to be open with a certain group of people who will push you, who will encourage you. And um, these two women who are on two regional bank boards actually are competitors um, just saw them and said, you know, there's this opportunity we hear in the market and why, why aren't you considering it? You, you've, you've, you've done two years at the microfinance. It's time to, to try and do something else. And these women inspire me because I, I now do the same for every, you know, for people where I see that there's potential to move on. I, I try to do the same and encourage and support. We need a lot of support as women, as um, some of the Angaza founders have really mentioned, we really do need the push. And so, yes, I, uh, they, they inspire me and they still today push me. In fact, one of them is pushed me to apply for Angaza. They're still pushing me. So I have what we call the inspiration cabinet. Uh, it's, a, it's a word I got from a book called The CEO Next Door. So I have these women who do not give me a break and I also don't give them a break. So actually, I got through Angaza because of one of them who, you know, pushed me to, to apply. But there's other interesting and inspiring women. For, for example, the other day, there's a lady we in, I interviewed two years ago for an NCBA teller. I, I asked her if she was reading any books. And she said, um, she kind of gave me a very goofy answer and said, my children's books. 
And so I, I said to her, you know, every time I, so we did hire her because she was, she's quite a good salesperson. But I, every time I met her, I said, are you reading a book? Are you reading a book? Eventually she started reading books, real proper books. And she shared, shared one of her books on my WhatsApp. And then I said to her, you know what? Um, why don't you, let's start a, a book club in the bank. And she said, yes, but she never expected me to say, so why don't you lead it? And she took it up and she has launched the first NCBA book club. And I think I don't know any other bank that has a book club. So such women inspire me because she just grabbed it. She grabbed the opportunity. We now have a book club. She's leading it. This is somebody who had, who admitted to me that she had never read anything other than her school books and her daughter's nursery book. Um, so that's that. those women inspire me. There's another lady we just internally uh, promoted to the head of digital, and she had never actually really been in management meetings. As you can imagine, it's scary. And she was thrown into her fast board meeting two weeks after her appointment. And when she was asked to introduce herself to the board, she actually said, my name is Roslyn and I'm ready for the challenge. I was blown away. Yeah. These women inspire me every day. Now that you've brought the conversation of books, um, what's your favorite book or better yet, what book are you currently reading? I am actually, so I read like three, four books concurrently. Uh, <laughs> so, but um, what I, I, I realized is that I'm a Malcolm Gladwell addict. I have finished four books. I'm going on to the fifth, which is Talking to Strangers. I am starting... Um, book talking to strangers but i'm currently reading ngozi and juliet's book on women and leadership i was hesitant to pick it up but it's so well written so easily written and you know it helps you be able to help helps to give you words to your own story so that's the current book i'm reading um a favorite i think probably my favorite writer in the last year or so is definitely malcolm gladwell and in his books david and goliath of course, you've occupied various various roles in um, in Rwanda's banking sector. You know, before you arrived at NCBA, you are at IMM, you are at AB Bank. What has been your experience as being a woman in the boardroom? First, what I've learned is, is it really helps to have a supervisor or a line manager who is there to support you. The physical space of having this person there looking at you and saying, don't worry, you'll be fine. You really need that person. Secondly, is to prepare, prepare, prepare. There is an assumption that, you know, sometimes people don't go the extra mile and prepare. So I prepare thoroughly. Um, I get, we actually have pre-runs with the team before we have meetings. We by the time we have a board meeting, there's no surprise. And it really helps to prepare thoroughly. Um, and also, you know, when I'm working with, with my management team, what we actually say, what is our theme? Our theme is to go to, in together as, as, as a team. So I'm not going to come out fighting with you or, or the other one. So we resolve issues and decide on our one, one voice before we go for our meetings. So what I've learned is boards are evolving. You have to be very aware of the different characters in board meetings, in board committees, and you have to create your own relationship. As I've grown, 
have understood that you have to have your own relationship with each director because without that you're it becomes very difficult to to get buy-in for difficult decisions, to get support when you've made maybe a, a you know not a very good decision which needs you to clean up a bit. But you need to create your own relationship with every director, and the chair is an extremely important partner. No matter what you think they are or who they are, you really need to make an effort to meet consciously. I have a meeting with my board member, my chair, every month just to catch up on what's going on in the business so that there are no surprises. So I'm very open book and that's what I've learned. Be open book, prepare and have a relationship with each of the directors. Let's look at the actual representation of women, especially on on leadership boards. I'm sure Rwanda is like Kenya where we have a few women on boards, but we're still not there yet to achieve equal representation of women in top leadership. Perhaps what are some of the organizational policy changes you would like to see that would help more women like you to rise to top level management? Okay, I think uh, Angaza, for example, has made me have to research more on on what, what would we do? What does an institution need to do? For example, starting fast with who you have, what the business you're driving. And it's it's really to be intentional about highlighting women's achievements publicly and uh, there's research that actually that actually says that when you highlight a woman's uh, achievements publicly other capable women start to feel that they can also aspire and because women do not self-promote when you publicly uh, you know announce that this woman has done very well but you make it quantifiable and measurable then you know you level the playing field in terms of a recognition gap, which men men just do it themselves. They say, "I'm doing well, and this is what I'm doing." So that's definitely a conscious policy of recognition. Um, this may sound very stereotypical, but we need very family friendly policies at work, um, because when you do this, you're actually building a future not just for the women but also for the men. So, family friendly policies like flexi hours. A friend, a colleague of mine has started lactation centers in her business. I haven't, and I need to start very soon. I have so many young staff who are having babies, but they have nowhere to go to breastfeed or to, you know, to preserve milk for the evening. So it's, those are things, you know, they sound simple, but you here you are, here I am a three-year business and it has taken me you know, a wake up call to say, hey, you don't even have a lactation center, a small room for women. So those family friendly policies are, are, are very important. Then also being intentional about how career paths are mapped out and the types of interviews that take place. Culturally, many women, especially here in Rwanda, do not speak fast and do not speak loud and in 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 for certain roles somebody may think this one can never do sales but but she connects with the with the market so we need to revise our these policies in reviewing how do we handle our interview process so that it's not all one gender or one perception that this is how a sales interview should go or the profile so we're looking at that those are the kind of policies we're looking at and on the soft side this is something I have been reading about and seeing in, in practice. When you have meetings, encourage women to speak 
uh, fast because many times it gets swallowed up by the men on the table. So when you start encouraging the women, indirectly you say, you know, if, if you're the head of finance, uh, what do you have to say? If, if you're intentional with that, it just builds courage. And those are small things. They're soft policies and they're structural policies that we, we need to implement. Lina, you've talked about recognizing achievements as perhaps one of the policy changes that you think would uh, promote or rather would help women rise to um, top level management. What are some of the ways you think would be best to highlight the achievements of women? First of all, just at every opportunity where a woman has moved forward, there's a milestone that's quantifiable. You just announce, oh, Jennifer has raised 20% uh, deposits from last month and she's done it X, Y, Z way. In those forums, what happens is the, the woman who's getting the acknowledgement feels more encouraged to move forward. Mm-hmm. And if you do it in a more public forum, what happens is that you then develop a pipeline of potential capable women saying, you know what, if she's doing it and she's being acknowledged, I can also do it. So there's you know, different forms of, of acknowledging women's performances, whether it's internally uh, in small meetings in the bigger forums, and also, you know, helping these women who are trying to move forward know that the next step for them and making it happen, actually keeping your word and making it happen. Lina, you're featured as one of the top 10 applicants of the Angaza Awards. And uh, the, the Angaza Awards had applicants spanning all over, you know, East Africa from Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Uganda. What was your primary motivation for applying for these awards? Honestly, I was experimenting. <laughs> like, I just, I had, I had these ladies who were like, apply, apply. And I thought, you know what? I have nothing to lose let me just apply and it, it, it's there's always something i've learned that there's always something you learn from jumping into a sea or jumping into an opportunity so that's really that was my motivation to see let me see what happens <laughs> all right well <laughs> moving forward so the Angaza Awards, of course, was looking at um, different different metrics bef- before recognizing you as one of the top applicants and uh, this included both you know, the numbers metrics when it comes to, you know, the impact that you've made in the banking sector, as well as your impact you've made outside your workplace, you know, outside the banking and finance sector. What are some of the contributions that you think you have made in the banking sector? Okay. As NCBA uh, Bank, um, you know, I joined in in, uh, 2018, July, when we had just acquired uh, Queen Bank. And at that point, I was tasked with stabilizing the brand and and the business. We were about 30 staff then. We're almost getting to 80 now. And when I joined, it was CBA. And we had a loan book of about 800 million Kenya shillings. Today, end of uh, 2020, we have a loan book of 3.6 billion Kenya shillings. Our deposits also grew um, considerably from 1.9 billion to 4.6 billion Kenya shillings. And as such, our total assets grew by 132% from 2.8 billion to 6.5 billion. The best part of it, of course, our top line, our operating income grew from 120 Kenya shillings to uh, 422 million Kenya shillings. 
it has been quite an exciting journey. Our digital business, born off, of course, from the success in Kenya with Mshwari and uh, Fuliza and all the products that go along with digital. Our digital business contributes about 30% of our revenue. And um, in our market, it has made us in Rwanda the largest bank by customer numbers. We are about... We boast about 3 million customers. Um, we're the largest uh, bank by customer number. And, you know, we we are doing something very new. We, we are still the only bank that offers mobile loans and savings through the partnership with MTN. And we've issued almost uh, 38 billion in francs. That's francs, which if you divide by nine, you'll get the Kenya shillings. To date, we are still, and we're innovating every day. We're offering mobile money agents two-day facilities to resolve their float uh, when you know when they run out of float and we're the fast to do this. So it's been quite an exciting journey, especially also belonging to a group, um, NCBA group, which has a total assets of about 528 billion Kenya shillings. So there's tremendous growth. We have grown our business from the experience of being our customer more than anything else. Uh, we started with nothing. We didn't have mobile banking, online banking, but we still grew our business to where it is today. So that's my story with with um, NCBA, and we are looking at really deepening our footprint um, in the country. We're now primarily in Kigali, but we'll be moving out very soon uh, across country. NCBA Bank Rwanda has done quite impressively under your leadership. Away from, from the bank, what are some of the initiatives that you as Lina Higiro have either participated in or spearheaded that maybe benefit women? Sure. Um, beyond banking, as you said, about three months ago, uh, the CEO of uh, the Development Bank of Rwanda and the head of HR for equity, we, we got together to try and just to discuss and see what 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 is it we can do. Actually, it started out as the three banks. What can we do as the three of us to, to support women, to create one, a pipeline for leadership, two, to create institutions that women love to work for and spend so much of their time with. And we came up with three pillars, three key areas, and this was mental health, career development, and sexual harassment. On mental health, you know, in Rwanda, actually, there's been a study by the University of Rwanda, which showed that, you know, post the impact of COVID reflected that 52% of our general population suffer from major depression, alcoholism, panic disorders. And we see some of this reflected in, in our businesses. And so we took this up in conjunction with um, experts from what we call the SANA Initiative. And with fortunately, uh, with the support of the Rwanda's Bankers Association, we have launched what we call the Employee Assistance Program to support employees going through all kinds of anxiety, depression, financial related pressures for all banks. Um, we are definitely taking the lead as NCBA Equity and uh, BRD. So that's that's one I'm, I'm quite proud of in this uh, for this quarter. So that is now underway. We're now looking at career advancement and career advancement is quite, it's not something you can just, you know, pick up a pen and start writing a policy on career advancement because there are a lot of structural and cultural issues that make 
advancement difficult? So we're going to start with just research in our individual institutions and then come together and try and understand what we can do within our own capacities. Otherwise, beyond that, I, I do have a fund I support for university students who run out of, 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 of fees. I've been that student. And these students do not have to be, you know, grade A students. Um, they can just be students who, it, it, it's just a misfortune. So I've created this fund and we have about seven children now. And not, they're not children, but they're university students who I connect with and support. And, and I'm hoping this fund will grow. So that's what I do aside from pure backing. Lina, you've been recognized in other previous forums. For example, um, you were a speaker in uh, Career Women's Network in 2019, where you were speaking on um, sharing successful uh, women's stories. And you've also mm-hmm. been a participant in, uh, in the CEO Summit 2018 in Rwanda for the unconventional CEO. So definitely um, being recognized, rather, is not something that's new to you. How would you use being the recipient of the Sangaza Awards to influence others? Yeah, first of all, I have to commend I have to commend the Angaza team for including regional entrants for the opportunity. I'm not sure if it was initially just for Kenya, but what this has done, first of all, is that it has highlighted that as a Rwandan, we can be acknowledged as a performer. And it has also given us quite a bit of, there's a lot of national pride in that, uh, that, you know, regional banks are being run by Rwandans and they're successful. What would I do? It's it's quite a challenge. Um, I have to say I have been challenged, you know, for profound change to take place in terms of women in the financial sector, financial sector includes insurance and others. There has to be a lot of study, a lot of discussion and a lot of campaigning. And this has forced me to now think I need to now be proactive internally and externally with the women I talk to from other banks on how we can get this going. So that's what what this has done. You know, this Angaza has challenged me to to become more intentional and look into the challenges facing women like me and my sisters and my cousins and my friends in how they can move from entry level to, to supervisory roles. As we approach the end of the interview, of course, uh, being a successful applicant of the Angaza Awards, what would you have done differently if given another chance? And uh, what advice would you have for prospective applicants? Okay, what I, um, in terms of what I would have done differently, I'd probably have encouraged my fellow bankers harder and not just taking it as an experiment. Um, I encouraged one of the other ladies and she just is like, but the, the application form looks like writing a PhD. And I told her, no, it's, it's very simple. So <laughs> I probably would have held her hand and gone with it. So um, that, that's one I would do. But what would I have done differently is also to prepare for media. I think because I took it as an experiment, I did not really expect that the attention would come in the way it has come. And I am very glad for it because it warms my heart that there's an appreciation for the efforts I have made throughout my career and it's very public for the first time in my life. But it is, um, yes, I would I would have prepared better for, for media, but I'm glad for people who are kind like you who have 
prepared me and and have been very kind on the sessions like this so yes it's just to prepare better and to really pull my colleagues arms and make them sit down and, and do a little bit of work Lena thank you so much for for sharing the feedback you had on the application process um any last words for women out there Yes, definitely. Um what what we are we are in an era of do it yourself career development. Most institutions do not have the energy and time to set up training for you for guidance and so and the sober truth is competence and expertise does not automatically generate uh, recognition and advancement. So there's some things I'd like to suggest. Um which there's a book I would recommend called 14 profile raising ideas for emerging female leaders by Susan Ritchie and she says these things which I've seen work speak up for yourself cultivate a sponsor or a supporter who will advocate for your ideas at work secondly be vigilant for new opportunities i always looked out for my new opportunity 2 years before i actually got the opportunity because I, you have to prepare yourself and develop the skills you need for the next opportunity And finally give people a good reason to remember you listen and learn to listen intently thank you thank you so much i think that's really really powerful advice thank you so much for sharing your pointers up to our listeners that was Selena Higiro the chief executive officer of NCBA Bank Rwanda thank you so much for joining today's podcast 